the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Reaching Hearts Ministries. Welcome back to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentenko's message today is entitled Elijah and the End. That's Elijah and the End. And if you'd like to know more information about this ministry or this broadcast, keep in mind our phone number. It's 877-788-5371. 877-788-5371. You can also stop by the website reachingyourheart.com. Now, remember, due to our time constraints, we'll only be able to bring you the first portion of this broadcast today, but we'll complete it tomorrow, and we hope that you'll join us. Here now is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko. We pray as we open up the Word of God, you'll be with us. Give us spiritual focus. Give us Christ within the hope of glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The deepest truth you can know in life is the truth of family. I'll say it again. The deepest truth that you can know in life is the truth of family. It's not a truth. It is the truth. It is the truth Jesus died to make alive and real in you. That somehow a father's love is greater than a son's disobedience. That somehow God above can find a way to bring his wayward children home to him and to a family. We live in a universe where good parents can raise children that can go wrong. And we know this is true because God is the ultimate parent and his first created son, Lucifer, went wrong. The nations are kind of like children. In fact, the Bible refers to Israel as his firstborn son. There are many nations in the world, but Israel was God's firstborn son that didn't always go right. So in the context, it means that as God looked at all the nations of the world, he had one nation that he decided that would be made in his own image that that nation would be instilled with his virtues, that that nation would bear his character. It would look like him. And so in Hebrews 11, 1 to 2, it says, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more I called them, the more they went from me. The Bible says, All we like sheep have gone astray. But in the Bible, God's firstborn son, Israel, went astray. So how does God reach the nations when his firstborn son, Israel, has gone astray? It was God's plan to reach the world with a family. Friend, God didn't start the plan of salvation with a complicated theology to convince unbelievers. God didn't start the process of redemption by proclaiming a philosophy or a system of faith that somehow would bring everyone into the fold, so to speak, so they would know the truth. God started his strategic plan to save the world by calling a man named Abram and his wife, Sarai. He called them to be a family when they couldn't even be a family without his power. And through his divine intervention in their life, he knew that that family would transform the world, would start a chain of circumstances that would create a nation. And from that nation, the ultimate son would arrive, who is verily Israel himself, the new Israel that would redeem his firstborn son, the nation of Israel. Families teach faith and families demonstrate faith. 
That's why Satan has positioned himself to destroy the American family. I don't know about you. I've been watching the news again. It really was kind of sickening to me to observe our culture morphing into something other than what it really has been and could be if Christ was more central. The United States Supreme Court took another step forward to erode the fabric of the American family. Now, I'm not for putting any class of person down, be it heterosexual, homosexual, or whatever. A person who has been born in this world is a precious person in the eyes of God. Did you hear me? So that's not what we're talking about here. I'm talking about the nature of the American family, what it means to have marriage as a holy institution, for it to be recognized as what it is. Satan is at work in this culture, and we are moving through prophetic time, as the Bible describes it, when our country will eventually speak as a dragon. One justice on the court said that if you don't agree with his ruling, you're an enemy of the human race. And that's an amazing statement to make. If you don't agree with the ruling, you're an enemy of the human race. There are lots of families and people of faith out there who have just become enemies of the human race, according to that Supreme Court justice. I mean, these are strange days we're living in. Where is the wisdom of our pioneers, of the founding fathers of this country? Where is the tolerance on both sides for people of faith and for people who have no faith? Abram had a son named Isaac, and Isaac had two sons. His sons were Jacob and Esau. The book of Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. It begins with God's choice of one son over the other. What do you mean by that? Well, as far as nations are concerned, God does not love every nation on the face of the planet Earth. The Bible is clear about this. A nation that adopts a pathway of faithlessness, a nation that decides that in its own will it will defy the will of God, God himself will come into direct controversy with that nation. The Bible is clear. God judges the nations of the earth. So Jacob and Esau represent national futures based on faith responses or a lack of faith. Malachi 1 verse 1. The oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. Verse 2. Now here's the verse that's caused a lot of theologians and others to really choke on it. Here's what he says. I have loved you, says the Lord. But you say, how hast thou loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob. Now look what it says next. But I have hated Esau. I have laid waste his hill country and left his heritage to the jackals of the desert. The book of Malachi begins with the proclamation that God chose Jacob as his chosen son. That this nation that he raised up out of Israel, that was from Jacob, that this nation would be the hope of all the nations of the earth. And any nation that made war on that nation would be caught in the crosshairs of his divine displeasure. And so God is saying, yes, the nation that opposed the people that I chose, I am at war with them because I have chosen Jacob. Israel is the name that God gave Jacob when he fought with the angel of the Lord in the night before he met his angry brother Esau who wanted to kill him and his family. He started out as Jacob. It means one who supplants the deceiver. He deceived his brother to get his birthright. And that sin had hard with him through his difficult life. He had been manipulated into a polygamous marriage. He was struggling to find his way back home and back to God. And one thing had held Jacob in the course of his life. As he was running from his brother, he had found his place where he laid down to sleep and he saw in his dream a ladder that reached from heaven to earth. 
And God was there and angels were descending that ladder. And he knew that no matter what he was going through as he was growing in God and learning to get it together, that somehow God was with him. But as he began to come home, as he brought his family and others, after many years of difficulty home, the specter of his brother's hatred rose up in his heart. And what do you do? How do you interact with that when your brother is the warrior and you are the houseman, so to speak, when he knows how to hunt and you barely know how to sow, when you're a shepherd and he is one who kills game, the crosshairs of Esau's bow was there on Jacob's heart. And the man who couldn't defend himself fought with the angel of the Lord in the night before he met his angry brother Esau. He knew that he was trying to kill him. He was begging God for a way out of his own life path. How do I reverse my sin, he was praying. How do I overcome the path of difficulty that I have created for myself? Friend, let me ask you this question. How do you prevail against God when God has all the power and God has all the ability to win in the end and you find yourself fighting with God for the future. How do you get God to defend you when you have sinned against God? How do you plead with Him to save your family when you're the one that has let your family down? When you feel the circumstances that have brought you to your struggle and your failure at the present. Friend, Jacob thrashed in prayer in the night of his suffering by the river Jabbok. As he was getting ready to go into the promised land, it felt like certain death lay before him. And in his prayer, he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The angel of the Lord, who is the Lord, found him that night. He said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. There are people in the church today who let God go easily. They sin, they let him go. They have a failure in their work, they let him go. They have a relationship tension, they let him go. Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the angel of the Lord found Jacob in the night and he wrestled with him. And Jacob won the fight that night for faith and family. He prevailed against God. He forged his future on his knees and God blessed him forever because he fought with God. And he won the fight for the future on his knees. Jacob had sinned against God, but he would not let God go until God blessed him and redeemed him. At the end of a hard life, full of troubles. Now, you look at Jacob's life. He doesn't live as long as his father Isaac. Definitely not as long as Abraham. He's quick to tell Pharaoh, my days have been hard. And I have not attained to the years of my fathers. So at the end of a hard life, full of trouble. Serious family trouble. Jacob shared the secret of his success with his son Joseph in Egypt. You see, he got into a lot of trouble. And somehow God got him out of all the trouble. And here's how it happened. It's in Genesis 48, 16. He's talking to Joseph. He says, The angel who has redeemed me from all evil blessed the lads, and in them let my name be perpetuated, and the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. I mean, he knew how he got out of that trouble. That angel that he had fought with at the river Jabbok, that divine being that was guarding his family, that he had seen on that ladder that reached from heaven to earth, he recognized that the angel of the Lord had redeemed him from all evil. And based on that fact, he said, Bless my grandchildren in the name of the Lord. Now, I don't care what kind of difficulty you're going through what kind of challenge you're facing, 
what your parents went through, you have a right, if you have Jesus as your Savior, to ask the Lord Jesus to bless your children and your grandchildren anyway. Did you hear me? Anyway. Their future is not based on how good it went for you. Their future is not based on whether or not you're doing well. Their future is based on whether or not you will cling to the Lord and ask Him to bless you and you will not let Him go. It is no accident the book of Malachi in the Hebrew literally means my angel. The angel of the Lord that redeemed Jacob did not leave the family of Jacob. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him and He delivers them, not someone else. Isaiah, the great gospel prophet, described with the memory of Jacob in mind that the angel of his presence saved them and he carried them all the days of old. The book of Malachi is literally the book that means in Hebrew, my angel. It is the book about the guardian protector of the Jewish nation that made Jacob's family make it. Now, when we have a whole book dedicated to the being that saves our family... I believe we need to focus in on that book. What do you say? That book has a message for us because the guardian protector that took care of Jacob's family can take care of your family. The book of Malachi is a book for our time. The first lesson in the book of Malachi is crystal clear. It's the name of the book itself. My angel is the one, Jacob said, who redeems the sons of Jacob. He's the one who has redeemed me in all my trouble. Why is he called this? Why is he the angel here or my angel? Look at Malachi 3.1. We have a little information here we can gather from the book. The Bible says, Behold, God is speaking. Behold, I send my angel, literally, to prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The angel of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears, for he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. Some translations will call him the messenger of the covenant or my messenger, but the Hebrew is literally my angel, the angel of the covenant. Friend, the angel of the covenant in the context is the Lord in verse 1. That means this angel is God's covenant angel who is the Lord himself that will come to his temple to save his people and to engage them in judgment. He has the unique credentials to clean the life and purify the heart. In verse 1, God says, The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to His temple. In the book of Hebrews, we have a divinely inspired statement that describes the coming of Jesus into this world. Hebrews 10.7 Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book as it is written of me to do your will, O God. That verse is talking about the Lord Jesus. I have no doubt that it has the angel of the covenant in mind that this being that had protected Israel in the Old Testament, this being who is verily the Lord, but it was God's messenger who came from the Lord, is coming to this world to do His will. Jacob knew that the angel of the Lord is the only one who can redeem your family and save your children when you've messed it up. He knew that his future was his children's future. This angel guided them. He knew the nation would have a future if they listened to him. In the book of Malachi, the angel of the covenant is the Lord himself that comes suddenly to his temple. In the New Testament, we know who came to his temple. We know who cleansed the temple. We know who engaged the sons of Levi. It was Jesus Christ. They weren't expecting a human being to show up and do this. They were expecting someone else. Friend, the deepest truth you know in life is the truth of family. 
It is not a truth. It is the truth. Christ came as the angel of the covenant in human form to reveal that truth to you, that you are part of a family that is bigger than your biological family, that you belong to God's family if you have God, that somehow a father's love is greater than a son's disobedience. In the book of Malachi, God pleads with the clergy who elected to divorce their wives and leave their children with a godless legacy. I mean, he was absolutely put out by this attitude that you could discard your wife if you're going through difficult times and find another. God doesn't mince words here. He passionately proclaims His love for the family. And He rebukes self-centered husbands looking for an exit strategy with their wives who somehow think that wives can be exchanged like clothes when they're not quite as new as they used to be. Malachi 2.16, For I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel, and to covering one's garments with violence, says the Lord of hosts, so take heed to yourselves and do not be faithless. I mean, you have to take that verse and just circle it in your Bible, gentlemen. God has not provided for you an exit that is based on divorce. You must be committed through the good times and the bad times in your relationship. In Malachi 2.15, God says, I want godly offspring. What does it mean to have godly offspring? Or our God is a faithful God who doesn't turn us in when we're bad. He doesn't get rid of you when you mess up. Did you know that? He doesn't stand over you looking for just that error to make it easy for you to go away. Friend, He is bound to you by covenant. I got a telephone call from a friend a number of years ago. He hasn't called me since he made that telephone call. I went to seminary with him. He began to tell me about his life, about the journey that he had. And then I said, well, how's your wife doing? He says, well, we had the divorce. I said, well, why? Well... She spent a lot of money. My wife doesn't spend a lot of money, but I think some wives do. Am I right? Come on, gentlemen. Right? Come on. That can happen. I think husbands spend money too, don't they? What? I don't hear amens from the wives going on too much here. Okay, well, that can happen. I said, well, what in the world went wrong? And then he got to the core of it where he revealed his attitude. He said, she hasn't met my needs anymore. I don't even like hearing that. As a man, it makes me feel awful. Do you realize it's not the role of the wife to meet your needs so you're stable? Gentlemen, the Bible calls you to be stable if she never meets your needs. You read the Song of Solomon, that's how it's laid out. The basis of traction, the Holy Word of God, is based on the stability of the character of the husband, regardless of whether or not that's true or not. So I heard this, and he said, well, she doesn't meet my needs anymore. I'm seeking someone who will. Well, I don't have time of day for that kind of thing. And bless his heart, we just had nothing in common at that moment. I want to end my life journey with the person I started with, no matter what I go through. What about you? We finish the journey. We start because we make promises to do it that way, right? I mean, this idea that men must be weak in their relationships. A man must be a man of God before he is a husband. And a godly husband will commit himself to his wife no matter what. Now, there are times when husbands have to engage their wives. There are conflict in homes. 
Can I hear an amen to that? There's no conflict ever in your home. You live in the land of Oz. Conflict occurs in homes. And there are times a godly husband has to be in that role and say no. Godly women need to know when to say okay. God wants husbands who don't turn their wives in when they look bad or when the grass is greener in a different kind of field. Faithful fathers teach their children to be faithful to God no matter what they're going through. Because faithful fathers are faithful to their wives. You may be a klutz at relationships. You may be a clumsy kind of guy that works at trying to please your wife and just can't get it right in your own mind. But if you are faithful to your wife inside your heart and you know that you're in there for the long haul, you're trying your best, in this day in which we live, you are an unusual kind of man. I just put it like that. Let me speak to the wives of the church here today. I've spoken to the husbands now. I beat them up. It's your turn. It's kind of hard to do it because I'm not a wife. So you better be praying hard for me as I speak to you. If you're married to a faithful man, that means a man who doesn't look other places. A man who really loves you. He may have the characteristics I described. He may be a klutz at relationships. He may be a clumsy kind of guy that works at trying to please you and somehow doesn't get it right every day for you. If you're married to a faithful man and you happen to harp and carpet him over this and that little nothing, by degree, breaking his spirit with your biting words, the angel of the Lord is looking at you and you are the one standing in the way of God's blessing in your family. Did you hear me? A godly woman will treasure a godly husband, not make him rue the day he married her. Because a faithful man is a gift from God to you. Not a perfect man, a faithful man. A committed wife is a treasure in his life. And if he values you, even in the midst of the challenges you face, you need to look at yourself in the mirror and get it right. A faithful man will raise children that are faithful because he's faithful to you. And they get there because he is faithful to you. That's how they get to the kingdom of God. God says, I want godly offspring. And if you don't have all the goodies the neighbors have, and if you don't have piles of money in the bank, and you're struggling with one paycheck to the next, but you have a godly husband getting better at being godly. Friend, dear heart, you are rich and your children are rich. Kiss the ground thanking God for what you have in your life. Many a man has lost his way because his wife has showed him the door that leads to unfaithfulness by simply not getting it. But a godly man will be faithful no matter what. He will shut the door anyway. So a proper relationship in a Christian home is dependent upon the stability of the man. Did you hear me? The Bible teaches this. The Shulamite is attracted to Solomon because of his stability. Not because... He's handsome only. And the basis of attraction in the Song of Solomon is not because of the beauty of the Shulamite. In fact, she has flaws. It's the stability of his character that is modeled after God's character that becomes the basis of a secure home. However, you may not let me come back after preaching this sermon. However, it is possible to live in a time when good wives abound... And real men are hard to be found. I'll say that again. It's possible to live in a time when good wives abound 
And real men are hard to be found. The book of Malachi was written in such a time. Cynicism had set in. The clergy of the church no longer believed that the angel of the Lord redeems them from all their troubles. They had become embittered against the Lord Jesus in His preexistent state as the guardian protector of their families. They didn't care about the angel of the Lord that had redeemed Jacob and his family. They didn't care about their own family being redeemed. The guardian protector of the Jewish nation who guards the home could not guard them anymore. God had warned the leaders not to turn their back on Him that the secret of the success of their family was rooted in this guardian protector. Exodus 23, verse 20, Behold, God is speaking at Sinai after the nation was formed, when it became His firstborn son, when the nation of Israel was brought into existence. He said, Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Give heed to him and hearken to his voice and do not rebel against him for he will not pardon your transgression for my name is in him. Literally, the text says, do not become embittered with him. Friend, don't blame Jesus who has the name of God inside of him. And don't blame God if times are hard and the task is difficult at times in your life. Bless the angel of the Lord that guards the home and Jesus will guard you and bless you. Do not let your children see you become embittered with the Lord Jesus. Now, it's okay to say I'm stressed out. It's all right to admit that you're going through difficult times. The Lord's not asking you to be non-expressive in your life. But in the midst of your challenges, as you face those difficulties, say, thank you, Lord Jesus, for being the shepherd of my soul and leading me through a path that is right for me. Thanks for listening today. That will conclude the first portion of Elijah and the End. Again, the name of the broadcast was Elijah and the End. We'll complete this message tomorrow due to our time constraints. We were somewhat limited in what we could present to you today, but we will finish tomorrow. And you can always go to the website reachingyourheart.com and listen to the entire message without interruption. That's reachingyourheart.com. Our phone number here is 877-788-5371, 877-788-5371. Feel free to call that telephone number at any time. We do appreciate you listening. Remember that you can always listen each and every day here on this station, and thank you for doing that. For Pastor Mike and everyone here, please also know that we pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.